This is Melanie Ake, your host for Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 podcast. Everyday Leaders is an inspirational show to help you develop strategies to overcome everyday obstacles in your life. Today on Everyday Leaders, you'll meet Dan Cockrell, a retired VP of Walt Disney World, who teaches us the valuable leadership lessons that he learned from his 27 years of influencing Disney culture. Starting his career as a Disney summer college intern, Dan quickly learned how to work hard, create value, and be open to the possibilities in his career. He always opened up the next level of leadership opportunities because of his attitude. As he now has transitioned from the Walt Disney team, he's an executive coach and speaker, and his message today is to help others practice building their own cultures. Start your personal growth journey today. Learn how to be an everyday leader in your life. Go to everydayleaders.com, where you can register for classes to develop your own leadership strategies. Or gather with us each morning for our leadership devotionals. You can also invest in yourself with personal life coaching. Remember, you can still help us fill the Airstream Mobile Studio with shoes and backpacks. We're supporting Olivia Russo Hood's Save the Earth Project and our own Hoosier Foster Care Agencies. Go to everydayleaders.com for our schedule of local collection sites and dates. Welcome to Everyday Leaders 50 and 50. I am so honored to have you here. Executive VP Disney, retired, wonderful Dan Cockrell. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Well, thanks for having me, Melanie. It's nice to have something to do today. And I love uh, talking to people. So thanks for reaching out. Oh, so many listeners here. It's Walt Disney World Day again. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) People get really sick and tired of me saying, you know my Disney story. And so uh, I really love you, the heart that you have to be able to go through all the Disney classes and training, but to get to a level of influence and leadership is all about influence. And so I can't wait to share your story with the world and how you are showing up to add value uh, to this. And your, your whole message, Dan, is all about culture. And today we're learning so many lessons about leadership and how we lead from where we are, and how we can influence the world. So, gosh, thank you again for joining us. Well, once again, like I said, I, 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 love, I learn every, every time I talk to people on this topic, I learn something new, and hopefully I'll have something that, uh, to share with your listeners. Uh, absolutely. I think everybody's right now at the edge of their seat saying, oh, my goodness, <laughs> right? So how do you even begin? Like my dream when I was in high school, I thought, you know, my grandparents lived in Orlando, and I was always, I grew up 
from when Disney opened to be able to go there and experience that and, and understand kind of the magic of I wanted to understand and go work there. How did they accomplish that? Because when you open those doors, when you go through those gates, you just let everything else go. It's how we say, show up at work and let your baggage leave it at the door. But that's what you do at Disney. And so to be someone that dreamed about that, accomplished it, created it, and influenced people, tell us about your journey. That's what I really want people to understand. How did you get there? And what were your dreams when you were going through this process uh, in your career? Yeah, it's a great question. And um, a lot of what I'm going to say probably people don't expect because I, the first time I went to Walt Disney World, I was 19 years old working on the college program down there. And I never, so I'd never visited Disney when I was growing up. And uh, I didn't really have a dream job when I was growing up either. And I think if you talk to a lot of people at Disney, most of the people who end up working there didn't know what they wanted to be when they grew up. And they, they went down there for a couple months and then 26 years later, they're still there. Uh, and it's, it's not, you know, in my mind, work at Disney, it's not about, um, necessarily, I think the people that go there because of the magic, um, sometimes they're a little disillusioned once, once they start working, but the people that go there because they like helping people and they like, uh, creating happiness and they like to serve. Those are the people who are successful there. Uh, that's a general statement, I think for the hospitality industry, mm-hmm. but certainly for working for, uh, for the Walt Disney company, uh, and, and Disney World in particular is if you like to serve, you like to be with people, um, you you like to figure out how to you know kind of help people out. It's a great place to work um, because that's what we do every day um, is, is helping people. And so you know how I got started was um, when I was growing up, I, I played sports. Um, I was really involved in sports. I, I worked growing up. I, I mowed lawns. I worked in a toy store when I was 16. Uh, when I was in college, I waited tables. And my uh, sophomore year at Boston University, I came down on the Walt Disney World College Program. And uh, today we have about 12,000 college students working at Walt Disney World at any given time. And uh, we have a whole housing complex, transportation. We have uh, professors that teach classes. You can get college credit if you're studying hospitality or a related field of studies. And it's a great way for us to get a, a look at college program students and for them to determine if this is a place they want to work after they graduate. So I did that for a summer and I went back to school for two years. And when I graduated with a political science degree, I once again had no idea what I wanted to do, but I know that working for Disney, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the structure of the environment. I enjoyed the mission of the company and that what they were trying to do is create these great experiences for people. And so um, I went back to uh, Walt Disney World and interviewed and I said, well, I worked here before, and I have a four-year undergrad degree in political science. What do you think I should do? And they said, you know what? You should be parking cars at Epcot. I said, great. Let's go do that. <laughs> and uh, and um, it's a common story. Um, if you look at a lot of our senior leaders and executives, most of us started at the front line at Disney. It's part of our culture. Um, I'd say 99% of the people we promote at Disney is from within. Because uh, we have so much, so many talented, uh, passionate people that work there, uh, we get to see them firsthand. And it's uh, so a lot of people tell me, you know, ten years in the career, how do I get into Disney? I said, well, get a part-time job doing whatever you can, because it's such a it's such a hard place to to break into once you kind of started your career. And so I start once again started parking cars, and I did that for about six months. 
And then at that point, I got a work visa through BU to go work internationally. And I, I took that visa and parlayed that into a job as a management uh, trainee for uh, Disneyland Paris. So this was back in 1992. Uh, we were opening the park there in April 92. And uh, so I spent six months at Epcot. In January 1st, 1992, I got on a plane and flew over to France. And um, I've never been more clueless in my life. I spoke about 10 words of French. I'd never worked in another country. We're opening this brand new project, huge project in France. And uh, for about a year, my world was turned upside down and just learning a new language, learning a new culture, trying to figure out how to open this place. Um, it was such a learning experience and it literally changed my life. Um, it's pretty humbling to be that when you're, you're living in a country where your, your maiden tongue is not the country's and you got to figure this stuff out. And uh, I thought once I learned the language, I'd be in good shape. But once I learned the language, then I really realized, you know, culturally how much I had to learn from there. Mm -hmm. um, so we opened the park in uh, April of 92, and I ended up staying for five years. Um, I met this girl in Florida, actually, <laughs> and she was from France, and we moved in together. So one day we're chatting, and we're chatting about what the next steps are because my visa is going to expire in eight weeks. And I kind of said, well, you know, this seems to be going well. So, uh, if we got married, we could take care of this situation and I could stay. And she said, okay, I'm in. It was the most unromantic uh, proposal ever in the most romantic city in the world. <laughs> and uh, we had a five-week engagement and I got my green card and we stayed there for five years. Wow. And then in 1997, we moved back to Walt Disney World and we uh, worked there for the, the following uh, 22 years. Um, I spent time as an operations manager in parks. And I went into the hotel resorts for about six years and learned how to run front desk and housekeeping and eventually was, became a general manager of uh, some of the hotels, uh, the Wilderness Lodge, the Fort Wilderness Campground, and the All-Star Resort. And then I went back into parks. And I spent a, a few years as a general manager in parks. And then the last nine years of my career at Disney, I was the vice president of Epcot for two years and then the vice president of uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios for four years. And my last three years there, I was vice president of the Magic Kingdom. And then two years ago, my wife and I were chatting and we said, what's next in our lives? And after a year of very difficult thinking and discussions, we decided to pull the ripcord and I left. And uh, we started our own consulting company. And now we're working together. We do leadership workshops. We do, we're doing some consulting in Croatia and uh, Peru uh, I do keynote speeches. I just finished writing a book, and we have a podcast. So we're we're putting our all our fingers into lots of different pies and see what happens. But you know, I had 19 different jobs at Disney. And I was always a big advocate of getting diverse experiences and keep pushing yourself and keep trying new things. And so I took my own medicine and decided to leave uh, kind of what was a dream job in the hope that I would find something else and new, exciting. Uh, I just turned 51 a few months ago, and all three of our kids are either out of college or in college, so we're empty nesters. So we decided it was time to go on an adventure, and uh, we're, we're figuring out how to be entrepreneurs now, which is kind of a, a whole new uh, life experience. And we have a little more money in our pocket, and we're a little wiser, but we feel like we're college kids just kind of getting started again. Mm -hmm. I love your story because we are similar paths, um, although when I worked at Disney, so when I started in 86, I went down there for the summer, but I went to the trailers. So in 89, when you were going through the program, did you guys have the trailers <laughs> that you went into? No, you were, you were in um, Snow White's Village, right? Yeah, yep. 
Yep. Um, yep. Open trailers in Kissimmee. Yeah. Double wide. <laughs> those were, those were like, um, the, the, the people lived there. That was kind of like the time of these, the, the legends of lore. Like they lived over the trailers and it was such a, you know, and Kissimmee. we got to live in like these brand new condos at Vista way. And there's a pool and a hot tub, and we 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 were like living large when I was in college. <laughs> it's so funny when you think about you know what you take, what you trade off to learn what you have to learn, and and I think what you said uh, ideally is going to France and not knowing the language, not knowing the country, but taking that journey to say, well, I'm going to learn, I'm just going to figure it out every day, and here it led it you down the path of you know finding finding your next part of the journey and a lot of people say well I have to have it figured out right and and so what I think is really important about your lesson in your life is you stayed true to what you believed in and so you understood how to develop that culture and what you learned through all these um, you know opportunities through Disney just the corporation and many people will say you know I've worked at a manufacturing facility, or I've worked as an attorney or a doctor, but you haven't done the same thing every day. And that's that's the part of it, right? You can show up, but what you're learning and who you're influencing, and then how you can apply those lessons to grow through your career, that's, I think, the key, because as you wrote this new book, right, the um, how the culture, how is the culture in your kingdom? So, right. So that's key to what you've experienced. Now you can go out and teach others to develop this, the security within yourself to then develop others around you. And that's what leadership is about, Dan. So I really celebrate you uh, for uh, being able to kind of understand. And at 51, that's just the beginning of your next life. And so (laughs) I think there is so much opportunity for you to teach people, you know, uh, what people want to experience and I had your dad on the program last year, and, and so he told us about his journey. But, you know, thinking about when you step into Disney, people that are celebrated as athletes or they've won the Super Bowl, the first thing they say is, what are you going to do next? And they say, I'm going to go to Disney World. <laughs> because they want to connect to that. And, and people feel like if they go to Disney and like what you shared – it's not all on the other side. You know, when you're an employee, it's not all the glamour and, and um, you know, leaving your problems at the door because you have to show up to serve. And so as right. a servant's heart, uh, that's the key where I, I think if people are in college programs, you know, to keep focused on what they want to do and how to just do whatever that is, cleaning um you know, cleaning the park and uh, moving the cars and riding the tram, you know, driving the tram. So uh, tell me about some of the the things in, in your book as far as, you know, the cultural development, things that you're using now from your Disney experiences that you think are going to really impact and influence companies. Sure. Well, you know, the, the, it was interesting when I left. Uh, I, I kind of, you know, my last day I left and got home. I'm like, all right, let's start. <laughs> well, I'm not sure how we're going to start. Let's start. And the first thing I had to do was I, I really questioned myself. I said, well, gosh, what do I know? I, do I know anything? Do I know anything that anyone would be interested in knowing, hearing about? And, you know, it's, I know people say, well, what do you mean? Well, you know, you worked there for 26 years. You had all these different jobs. I said, I know, but I didn't know a lot of these things become such a second way to operate. You don't realize what you're doing. Is, is it differentiated or is it just, 
just what everyone does. Mm-hmm. And I was nervous sometimes to go into keynote speeches and tell them, like, they're going to laugh at me. Like, everyone knows this. But what I realized is um, Disney executes very basic things very well. And so the concepts are not difficult to understand, but executing the concepts is where it, it becomes really hard. And so I think that's why it's been such a successful company. Like many companies who execute well, um, you know, Starbucks, McDonald's, you just look at these big companies, um, you know, you can't take for granted their ability to consistently deliver their promise. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think some companies get bored with that. And it's easy to get bored with that, doing the same thing every day. But if you, if you can celebrate that and get focused on it, become a, uh, get a pride factor, the fact that you can deliver this great product and service every single day, over time, you get sustainable results. So I had my Jerry, I call my Jerry Maguire moment. I was up one night. I just wrote down, okay, what do I know? I know how to communicate. What does that mean? I wrote a little paragraph. All right, I know how to influence people. What does that mean? I know about managing my time. What does that mean? And by the time I was done, I probably had about 45 different uh, little segments of things I know how to do and little summaries of them. And I sent it off to a guy um, at the uh, Cromer Graduate School where I got my MBA at uh, Rollins College here in Orlando. And uh, Keenan Yoho, he's the exec- one of the executive um, directors of their executive uh, MBA program. I said, Keenan, I don't know what I have here. Can you look at it? Cause, and I thought he was going to do a little wordsmithing. He sent it back to me like 24 hours later. He said, Dan, you clearly have three themes here, and I put them all in columns for you. You have a whole section on leading yourself a whole section on leading your team and a whole section on leading your organization. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was like, drop the mic moment. I'm like, Keenan, how did you do this? He goes, I could, it's clear to me. You just probably couldn't see it because you wrote it all down. And so from that day forward, that is the structure of my website. It's a structure of my book. It's a, it's, I take all my themes from my keynotes and leadership training out of that, that kind of structure. So the, I, I, I wrestled with when I was writing the book, whether I should lead with lead self because a lot of people who are looking to read a business book about building culture wouldn't expect to see that. And I think I was afraid people were going to read it and say, well, is this kind of like some kind of self-help? And I have nothing, I have no problem with self-help books, but when people in business want to get a business book and they start reading about, okay, you need to, uh, you need to make sure you eat the right stuff and you got to make sure you get enough sleep and you have to make sure you hydrate. And you got to make sure that you have a um, understand emotional intelligence and mindset. And you have to make sure that you have great time management skills. Um, a lot of people, once again, they read that like, look, I know all this. I'm like, I know you know it, but you have to execute upon it. So the whole first section of the book is all about leading yourself. And as you, I think a lot of people hear when they go on airplanes is, you know, if, if there's an emergency and the, the oxygen mask drop, who are you going to put them on first? You put it on yourself first and then those around you. And I think it's such a basic concept that if you take care of yourself first, if you are your first priority, then you're going to be in a much better position to be a better spouse, a better son or daughter, a better parent, but whatever your role is, you're going to be better at that because you feel good. You're in the right mind, spirit, you're right in the right health. Once you lose your health, you can't help anybody. And so I really drive that home. And, and make sure people understand the responsibility of staying healthy and the responsibility of having the right mindset and not letting stress get to you because it takes, it takes emotional impacts on you and physical. Um, the second part of the book is on leading your team. Um, and it's really based a lot on what I've learned from the Gallup organization uh, based on if you want to lead a team, you have to have the right talent on the team. You have to build the right relationships, set clear expectations, and 
reward, recognize, and give the right feedback. And at that formula, if you can get that right, you're going to get the most out of the team that you're working with or it's working for you. And then the third part of the book is all about leading your organization. And that gets into more of the traditional parts of this is creativity and innovation, uh, measurement, uh, communication, uh, strategic thinking. And I use every, every chapter starts with a story. I want, really want to get very tactical and let people know this is not just sort of a philosophical thing. I want to show you exactly how this played out when I was working at Disney and then give you tactical things you can take away to apply these. And then the fourth thing is leading change. And we added that afterwards and because we thought that was really important uh, in this world right now. You know, the, the nuts and bolts of operating is important, but being, um, being able to lead through change is such an important piece. And we added that last section. And once again, I have a lot of stories in there about um, working internationally, rolling out My Magic Plus, you know, it, it, situations I was in where I had to lead change and be part of change and get people to kind of get on the bus with me. And uh, every chapter is a story. Every chapter has my thoughts on it. Every chapter has what I call fast track to results which basically says, if you want to start working on this, here's five things you can start doing tomorrow um, to, to kind of ha- put these behaviors in place. Because, you know, culture is, is made up of behaviors. It's, it's not what you believe in, it's what you actually do. And that's how we build culture. And if you can be disciplined enough to, to have the right behaviors every day, that's how you start role modeling. And that's where people start to see what culture is. And that's how you become strong in these areas and are able to have this sustainable uh, success. So, Dan, what surprised you about yourself going through this journey? What, what was your biggest aha, like, okay, that wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be, or that surprised you and you kind of figured it out on the way? Yeah, I think the funny thing was, you know, I have always been a huge proponent of um, kind of karma, creating your own luck. I read some articles about this. And I have just, this is kind of the way I've always been as I've grown up. I was always up. My, my parents took me, um, you know, traveling. We traveled internationally. Um, when I was in high school, you know, I played football, but I was friends with all the different groups. I connected easily with all the different groups out there, the, all the stereotypes. Um, when I, you know, I've always been kind of adventurous and I'm always willing to talk to that person on the train or on the bus or on the plane and um, look for new opportunities just to connect with people. And um, although I understood that, I have, um, I've, I've found that I've only scratched the surface because in my entrepreneurial world now, you know, unfortunately, I don't have uh, nationwide or worldwide commercials every week like Disney does for Dan Cockrell. And, uh, and it's, it's, you got to create your own opportunities as an entrepreneur. And I think a lot of people say, well, I'll build a website and hope people come and check it out. But there's billions of websites out there too. So I found that, um, you can create your own luck by, by connecting with as many people as possible in a sincere and authentic way. And not with the goal of seeing what you can get out of it, but with the goal of what am I going to learn and what opportunities may be created that come out of this conversation. And the problem is you can't engineer it because every, almost every opportunity I've had since I've left Disney is, has been, you know, the kind of the six levels of separation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I went down to Brazil. I've been down there twice now to speak. Well, the only reason I got to go to Brazil was because a couple of years ago, my wife's cousins moved in with us for a year because they were, um, they wanted to, see if they could start a business in the U S and learn to speak English from France. 
And so my cousin, Jean-Pierre, met a guy at Stetson taking a language class who was from Brazil. And, and I met Luis. And a year later, Luis was in Brazil and talked to some guys who were looking for a speaker. And he knew me and they reached out to me. So, you know, I, n- I never thought to myself, you know, Jean-Pierre and Isabel are coming and eventually I might leave Disney. And so we should have them because he might meet someone who's going to meet someone who's going to refer me to go to Brazil. Speak. You know, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I was open-minded to have Jean-Pierre and Isabel move in with us, I was open-minded to invite Luce over for a barbecue. And I answered my WhatsApp text when I got it was the reason I got to go down there. And this story plays over and over and over again. Um, every time I talk to people, I make a connection. I see how I can help them and how I can connect with them. And then I kind of maintain those relationships. And eventually, um, as I tell people, I'm a farmer, right? They say, what do you do? I said, I'm a farmer. I plant seeds. Every single day I'm planting seeds everywhere. Some are never going to sprout. Some are going to become redwoods. Some are going to sprout next week, next year. And I just got to keep out there and spreading the word and connecting with people and talking to people and let them know what I believe in and what I, what I do. And um, these, these opportunities end up coming up. But, you, but it's not linear. I think a lot of people that makes them very uncomfortable. I want to know that if I make a call, it's going to convert into something. It's like that does life doesn't work that way. If you really want to go out and do this. So yeah, I think success is less of a process and more of a mindset. And if you can uh, be open and be open to connecting with people and you have, uh, you know, you have, you can help them something you can offer them. Um, everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just have to have faith. It works that way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw you back here for a second what Disney character do you think you're most like? <laughs> Great question. Um, Tigger. Tigger. I, lo- I love Tigger. Tigger is uh, high energy. He's always bouncing around. He's kind of naive and just does stuff and d- doesn't have many worries in the world. So uh, Tigger's a good one. Tigger's a good one. I love it because, you know, I think about people that are at their homes listening right now because everybody's kind of, uh, you know, not able to do what they would normally do. So when they get this and they're thinking about, okay, I'm going to listen to Dan Cockrell's podcast. I'm going to get him out to my company to speak um, about culture. What are the things, uh, what are the things that you want to encourage us as a society to do as we're going through this change? Because there's a lot of fear right now. Um, you know, we can't go to Disney. We can't do the things that we're normally doing to alleviate stress or celebrate with our families. So how are you recommending sure. people to, to kind of create this own culture now in their own households? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And I'll tell you, there's a whole bunch of people out there putting information out. And I think a lot of it is similar in nature. But um, there, I think there's some basic stuff. One is we've, um, I've, I've figured out is you got to create a routine. Um, you know, create a routine for yourself. Um, I, I look, I compare this. I've, I've watched these documentaries of, you know, I, somehow I love watching these documentaries on prisons and how those places operate and all the danger and everything. And it said, most of the people who survive there have a routine. They have a routine, a very strict routine. And that's how you kind of deal with things is when, you know, uh, with lack of structure, you create your own structure. So I get up every day. Now I'm getting up at five thirty-six in the morning I can sleep in much later and be fine, but I'm like, all right, this is where I do my best work. Get out of bed, get started, get some W's on the board early in the day, get some emails returned. It's funny how these little things, you just feel better about yourself when you get things done. Um, You have an opportunity right now to learn. Um, There's just, I mean, imagine this happening. I don't know how many years ago, but where you're home and all you have are books. Everyone would have said, yeah, I read tons of books, but today, because we have internet, you have so much more access to information. 
Um, so are you, uh, I, I keep, um, I'm doing a daily podcast now on my, uh, come rain or shine podcast. And I, every day I'm referring a Ted talk. I'm like, look, you can go look these up yourself. You don't need me to tell you about them, but I'll refer one. I looked, watched, and I thought was really helpful. And it's not necessarily on how to deal with, uh, you know, a pandemic or anything. It's just other ideas. Um, so I think that is very positive. Um, I'm on the phone now, six hours a day talking to people. I stepped up my podcast. I just started, um, free, uh, mastermind groups. So I'm just starting to do those daily. So I think this idea is, you know, get busy, get busy doing something, get busy thinking, um, watching the news, reading articles, don't watch too much news, but reading articles about what's going to change, what might happen is, uh, are these virtual meetings really going to step up? I started learning more about virtual reality now and, and what, what role could that play in the future? Um, so, you know, it's, it's this idea of, um, just, you, you can, you can only control so many things and you just got to get in a situation where you're, you're, you have some, some, um, success every day that you, of what you're working on. And I think the other thing is, um, and this is, I call these kind of first world problems. You know, people are complaining now. They're like, well, I can't go to Starbucks anymore. I have to go to the drive-thru and it's like five miles away. It's like, this is not a problem. So most of the things that we have are a problem right now are not problems. Now I know people have some problems. Like I got to pay the mortgage. I don't have money coming in. People are living, you know, if they're, if they, maybe they have a couple weeks, three or four weeks of savings. And I know that's a real issue. And that's where hopefully the, the government and, and local communities are going to step in and help those people. But, um, um, we, there's uh, I, I always like, I'm a, I'm a, um, half, glass full kind of guy. And I think everyone there's no matter what's going on right now, it could be a hundred times worse. It could be a thousand times worse. Um, and, uh, I know people say well, that's kind of naive, Dan, but if you can take what you have and be grateful for it, you're going to realize how lucky you are. Um, and, uh, and once again, it's, it's a mindset kind of thing. Make the best of the situation you're in, uh, connect with other people, keep communicating with people, talking. And one of the best pieces of advice I got recently was, you know what, when, during this time, when you get up in the morning, get dressed. <laughs> Some people get up and they're walking around in their pajamas or their shorts. They're like, yeah, I don't get dressed. I'm not leaving the house today. That is not healthy. <laughs> so maybe if you take away anything, get dressed every day. <laughs> well, what great lessons. I mean, here you walk us through the things that you would do normally, right? When you're showing up and you're respecting yourself and you started at the very beginning of the podcast with leading yourself. And I think if we can all just step into doing that, it's going to reduce so much of the fear that people have about, you know, what's uncertain and what can I control. And, and so I love this process, um, tuning into the daily podcast, saying there is somewhere you can go to get a little bit of inspiration. <laughs> you know, don't freak sure. out. Because <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen. And, and we do know that um, there's something beyond us that we can't control. And so I think that's where a lot yep. of people get a little freaked out is, you know, I don't know if it's going to be a month or a year or six months. Uh, but these are strategies that this show talks about every single day, which is, you know, take care of the things that you can control and try to let go of the things that you can't and figure out a process right behind it. So um, I just I love everything that you have shared. It's been it's been really wonderful. I want you to, if I can ask you a little bit about mentoring, because I think this is a topic that comes up so much, and especially right now, right? We can take these strategies and say, okay, well, Dan has shared with us what he learned and what works for him. But for a mentor relationship in these kinds of times, if we can't maybe be uh, on site with someone 
What would you recommend to somebody to connect to the right type of mentor and what you've learned through, um, through your lifetime? Yeah, it, it, the mentoring uh, relationship is, is certainly an interesting one uh, because I, I think sometimes we have these programs where you get assigned a mentor, at least when I was at Disney. And, you know, sometimes you'd hit it off and sometimes you wouldn't. And sometimes people um, thought they, they wanted a mentor, but they actually wanted a champion. They wanted someone to help them. Like, you know, I don't need any advice. I just need someone to be out there that has influence to help me move up through the ranks and get the people to know who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the mentor thing, uh, first of all, people who are, um, a lot of people say, well, I can't be a mentor cause I can't, I really don't have any wisdom for people. And I think the mentor relationship in my mind is as long I, I take everyone as a mentor, anyone I talk to can be a mentor. Um, as long as they have a point of view and they're honest about the, the things and how they're dealing with things, um, you can have a great, you can have a great conversation and learn something. Um, these mastermind groups I'm putting together, um, there's very talented people who are running very successful businesses. And by no means did I put out and say, Hey, let's do this mastermind. I have, you know, I'm here to have all your answers. Just tune in on zoom on this day. And I'll tell you what you need to do. I was very clear to them. I am putting myself in the, the shoes to be a facilitator of a conversation and I'll have my two cents, but everyone's going to have their two cents to add. And, uh, um, and that's how we're going to have this conversation. So I think a lot of times people think a mentor has to be someone who has more experience than you, or they have to be smarter than you, or they have to have some other life achievement that's going to put them in a place to be a mentor. Um, I've had mentors who are college program kids when I was working at the magic kingdom and I'd get them together once a month and say, Hey, How's the program going? Anything you think I should be doing differently about how we manage our college program here? What's been good? What's been bad? What could we do better? And they mentored me. And so I think we need to get out of this mindset of a, a mentor is this sort of a hierarchical thing. Uh, it's anyone who can teach you to think differently and uh, consider your situation and make better decisions would be a mentor. So I would say uh, reach out to anyone that you trust and you think will have a good point of view. Hopefully someone who's much different than you are. My mastermind groups, I've mixed them up between college kids, business owners, entrepreneurs, managers, and big companies, um, and because that's where great ideas come from, is this diversity of thought. And so uh, I think if you can get more diversity of thought, it'll help you see through your own situation. I think that's great. And So how do we... Um before I let you go, <laughs> I want to know sure. one more thing because I think it's, you know, what drives you. And so if you had to put a quote up on your bathroom wall, on your mirror every day, what would that say? And why does it influence you the way that it does? That's a good one. And I do have a quote. It's not on my uh, bathroom mirror, but I, I just carried it around with me in my, my mind. And it, it came from my, uh, my grandfather. And he was... Um, he, was, he ended up going to the Naval Academy. He was a class of 42, which was the three-year class because the war was going on. So he graduated in three years and was on the Columbia during the war, and he became a naval architect. And, I mean, he's a really impressive guy. And he has a quote uh, he, he left behind, and uh, I have it framed, and I look at it frequently, and I share it very frequently. And he, his quote that I uh, took and kind of lived by is, do your best and then forgive yourself. And everyone hears that quote differently and understands it differently. But I just, uh, in my mind, it was always this idea, you do your best. Every day you have the, uh, the intent to do the best you can. 
And sometimes the best isn't going to be good enough and you're going to fail or you're going to have to get better or you're going to make a, what you think is your best and you're going to make a bad decision. And then you have to forgive yourself, get up the next day and go back at it again. And that this quote addresses lots of things for me. You got to do your best. Best may not be good enough, but you got to do it anyway. Um, and, and if you're going to make a mistake, you can't change the past. So you got to get rid of this guilt thing, you move on, become better the next day. And that's all you can do. I think in your life, you do your best, you forgive yourself and keep moving on. And, uh, it's always been an inspirational quote for me. Oh, thank you for sharing that. That's a, that is a great way. That's a great segment. Um, to really follow up on and, and encourage all of us, print this off. Everybody that's listening, go print this off and think about this every day because what inspiration you've brought to us, Dan, and uh, sharing your life and your lessons. And uh, how do we connect to you? So if we want to jump on your masterclass, your mastermind, get you out in front of our companies as a, a speaker and a coach and a trainer and, and buy your book, I think is more important too for the culture in your kingdom. Sure. Everything you need to know is at dancockrell.com. The book's featured on there. I'm hoping within the next uh, week or so, I'm going to have my uh, author, um, my pre-sale website up and running. It comes with some bonus content. And then I should have books in hand, hopefully the next four to six weeks, and I'll be uh, shipping those to people. And they hit bookstores on August 11th of uh, 2020. Um, All the information, my contact information is there. My cell phone number's on there a description of uh, Valor and I, my wife and I, our bios, our backgrounds, and the speeches we do. Everything's on the website. And if anyone has any questions, uh, they can give us a call. Um, I like to think we're kind of differentiated from a lot of consultants because we don't facilitate um, scripted materials. We sort of go, we're not, we're not professional facilitators. We're professional leaders who are learning how to teach. And so a lot of what we do is on the fly, and we can tell some personal stories, and we've been through a lot of stuff personally which uh, I think adds a lot of credibility for people. But at dancockle.com, you can find it all there. Thank you very much. Dan, thank you for being a leader. Thank you for being an everyday leader and and joining us today to share your story. I really want to just celebrate you, and I really want people to step in and connect to you and, and make you a part of their life so that they can live with success. So thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you.